Hey, what's up, guys? This is Brad. This is Miles. And welcome to the house. Wild Card Weekend is here, and you know what else is here on Monday night? The college football playoff national championship game. Man, it's about time. Uh, Alabama made it through, and I'm ready to watch an all-SEC championship. It all comes down to this. Uh, before we get into the big one, uh, let's go ahead and recap some bowl games. Uh, we've got uh, seven games to look at uh, for you guys, let you know how we did. Uh, overall, it was a pretty good bowl season for us, Brad. Yeah, not too bad. I'm super impressed by your 10-1-1 record. But hey, you did great. I did good. 7-4-1, that's money right there. Yeah, we both made some money. Uh, I impressed myself on this one. It started uh, with the Alamo Bowl, which was a thriller. Uh, TCU two-point favorites over the Stanford Cardinal. They win the game 39-37. That is a push for both of us. Hey, what they say, a push is a win. That's what I like to live by. How about the Holiday Bowl? The Big Ten had a really strong showing in bowl season, and it really started with this game. Michigan State comes out and wins 42-17 to against Washington State. They were two-point underdogs, so that was a win for me and a loss for you. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting Michigan State to come out as strong as they did. My thing was when Michigan State put up enough points. And not only did they put up enough points, but they put up a lot of points. And they'll be a strong uh, contender in the East uh, going in, into next year. Yeah, definitely. How about the Peach Bowl? UCF, nine and a half point underdogs against Auburn, and they shocked the world. 34 to 27, a win for both of us. Charge on. Thank you so much because I took UCF at plus 350, and for a second I thought I was crazy. But hey, UCF pulled in, and I guess they're the, uh, the new national champions. I guess so. Uh, seeing all the buzz that's coming out, they're, yeah. they're thinking about a parade. They're yeah, thinking about a parade at Disney, uh, a banner. I mean, if Alabama could do it, I guess they could do it. Look where Alabama is now. So they had a hell of a year, and uh, I was actually listening to some of our coverage of UCF from earlier in the year, and we were talking about Mackenzie Milton. I know we've been talking about him all year. Yeah, but we specifically said as soon as he gets in his rhythm, yeah, it's over. Yeah, that's he, exactly what it happened. It took him a second to get ready, and then once he was once he was what he did. What I like is he used his feet to extend plays to make plays. He didn't let his his uh, miss passes affect his overall game. He didn't panic. Yeah, and he stayed within himself. Yes. Man, it was so cool to watch the difference in the first half and then just see him play in the second half. He's Is he the real deal? Yeah, he's the Did, real did deal. he prove that? Yeah, he, he proved that he will be an effective quarterback, especially if you give him the right play calls. It's an exciting future for UCF. Uh, the Orange Bowl, uh, the Big Ten's good showing continued. Wisconsin, they were six-point favorites over the Miami Hurricanes. They win that game 34-24. to That was a win for me and a loss for you. Let's just go ahead and put this here. Where did Miami go during that game? Because they had so much swag, and then all of a sudden, Wisconsin just... I think it was the pressure of that defense just pounding and pounding and pounding on Miami. And like you said earlier, Miami's defense lives off the big, explosive defensive plays, and if they don't have that, they suck. And it proved it against Wisconsin. Wisconsin was steady. They didn't panic when they went down by a couple of scores. And so impressive that they did it in Miami Gardens. Yeah. It was a great victory for Wisconsin. All right, moving on uh, to one that you're happy about, the Sugar Bowl. Alabama, three-point favorites over the Clemson Tigers. Complete domination, 24-6, and you and I both had Alabama covering in that game. Bingo, bango, bongo. The three-peat, the trilogy has been closed maybe until next year. We'll see what happens, but I'm glad for that win here. Um, I want to highlight, I'm going to put some things about this game later in the show that that stood out to me, but way to go, Alabama. Roll Tide. Honestly, I'm kind of hoping that we could put this whole Bama-Clemson Madness to mess, or because 
they gave us two great national title games. Yeah, and that and that's it. Let's well, move I mean, on. you gotta imagine Kelly Bryant's gonna be a senior next year, and they they gotta be in the thick of things. But come on, man, he plays the way that he did. Yeah, against anybody next season. We're not even talking about Clemson in the playoff. That yeah, was they atrocious. They're not going to have three of their defensive linemen again so for next season. And then, uh, in in my opinion, what is a top 10 all-time college football game? The Rose Bowl. Georgia, two-point favorites. They win in overtime, 54-48. to A heartbreaking loss for you and I because you and I both were on the Baker Mayfield train. I was loving Baker. And, you know, someone said it, that Baker Mayfield plays amazing until the second he faces adversity. And... I was I was looking at the game when they played um, Iowa State. I went back and looked at that game, and the same thing happened. He was playing great, faced a little adversity, got a little frazzled, danced around too much, missing targets. But I mean, Oklahoma put up forty eight points. Although they held Baker Mayfield under three hundred uh, yards, I mean, they did what they had to do. They just lost. They just didn't have enough points. Let me ask you something. In my opinion, I think Oklahoma completely gave away this game. One hundred percent. What do you think? It was it was Oklahoma's game to win. Um, congratulations, Georgia. Oh, a big congratulations are in order. I mean, Chubb and Michelle showed yeah. what they can do against a Big 12 defense, yeah, unfortunately. Against a bad run defense. Uh, one game that we, we did uh, want to cover, too, as well, is Virginia Tech uh, versus Oklahoma State. Yes. That was the Camping World Bowl. We were at that game. We were at that game. That was a lot Having of fun. a great time. Yeah, we both had money on Oklahoma State, minus four and a half. Uh, they came away with the win, thirty to twenty-one. So that was a money in the bank for both of us. This is another. This game was big for me to see because Virginia Tech was highly competitive in the ACC, and they didn't look good. And everyone's saying the ACC is a better conference, but I don't see it after this bowl season. No, this bowl season the ACC got shut down bad. Bad. But the big indicator for me was Clemson. Yeah, they're the class of the ACC. Yes, and they just did not show up. Clemson in that was game. hurting teams, and like. You want to compare it to um, a good team having a bad game. Let's compare it to when Alabama played Auburn. They had a bad game, but they were still in the game. Clemson wasn't in the game at all. So, as you mentioned, I had a great bowl season, 10-1-1. Really happy about that. You also had a great bowl season, 7-4-1. Let's go where you did really well because uh, Mr. Brad Thomas over here, I believe this is your second sweep in the NFL this season. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. 4-0. 4-0. Not mad at it. So, great call. Uh, New Orleans versus Tampa Bay. This is week 17. New Orleans, seven and a half point favorites. You went with the Bucks. That was a win for you, a loss for me. One thing that's kind of uh, stood out to me did you know the Bucks are like third in passing yards per game? Doesn't surprise me. I mean, Winston played really well in the second half of yeah, the year. He did. Uh, San Francisco, LA. We changed the line here uh, because LA sat their starter. San Francisco, three point favorites. To both of us, still an easy cover, and it was. San Fran wins the game 34-13. Yep. Uh, Gucci Garop is out there slanging the rock. Um, Marquise Goodwin looks like he's going to be a staple in that team. I-, I don't know, really, what more they need to be a playoff contender because I think they have the pieces. They have Kettle out there. Their defense is already good, and and, and you saw that coming along. Their defense, as, as the years went by, they were drafting defensive linemen, and it's a good team for the future. Yeah, and for me, I think that the key is the fact they were playing with so much pride and integrity yeah. going down the stretch. It would have been so easy for them to collect the paycheck and roll over, but yeah, they didn't. They didn't. They they have a young coach who got them ready to play, and now they have a young quarterback who, if they can re-sign him, man, I'm throwing the paycheck at him because it's different than when Osweiler got the paycheck. Like, Osweiler did not put on the performance that Garoppolo did, and I think that they have a team 
huge difference there. And uh, I would pay Garoppolo in, uh, if I could, especially yeah. with all this controversy coming out with uh, Brady. Yeah. Rumored that he wanted him out of town. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, okay, so uh, the, the next game here was a tricky one. Jacksonville, Tennessee. Tennessee was six-point favorites. Tennessee ends up winning the game 15-10. to 10. So you and I both cover with Jacksonville plus six. Squeaky, squeaky. <laughs> and uh, we will talk about both of those teams coming up here. Yes. Uh, Carolina at Atlanta. Atlanta, three-and-a-half-point favorites. I remember we talked through this game. You ended up going with Atlanta at home. I went with Carolina on the road, so that was a win for you and a loss for me. The, uh, great, great performance by Atlanta. Um, we're going to highlight both these teams later in the week, but, I mean, Atlanta to fight for their playoff spot. Did you Did you see that every team – they had to fight for their playoff spot, pretty much won their playoff spot. The Titans, the Falcons, uh, the Bills. The only team who choked was the poor lowly Ravens. That's how you get in. Oh, and who beat the Ravens? You guys are the playoff playoff dream slayers. We back are. to back weeks with the Lions and then the Ravens. The Buffalo Wings are on their way to Cincinnati. I saw it this morning. I love I love how the Bills are donating to the cause to the Andy, Andy Dalton Foundation. That's pretty awesome. So you had a great week four and zero. I was two and two uh, in the NFL. So let's go ahead and move on to the wild card games. We're going to go ahead and do these in order starting uh, Saturday, January sixth. Let's go ahead and start with the Tennessee Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs at four thirty five p.m. So this game, I was kind of interested to see your thoughts on this. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I have Chiefs minus nine. There's a couple things that stand out here that are pretty big to me. Um, is the Chiefs, in their last four games, have created 12 turnovers, right? Titans have only won three games on the road this season. Arrowhead is going to be screaming. And, and with the 12 turnovers in the last game, they sat most of their defensive starters. The biggest indicator for me, because you were talking about them being at home here, in Week 15, KC played the San Diego Chargers at home on Saturday night and completely destroyed a hot Chargers team, 30-13. Yeah. to 13. I think they're a different team at home. I think they're playing well going into the playoffs. They're 4-1 against the spread in their last five games. I like the stat about 12 turnovers. That's during their four-game win streak. Yeah. So the, they're coming in the right way. I don't see it with the Titans right now. I don't either, and I just I have a problem with Mariota. The Titans are going to have to rely on that defense, but they're still not putting up enough points. At 20 points per game, you're not going to compete with it. How are they going to stop Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt, Alex Smith is playing at a high level? I don't see where that's going to happen. Marcus Mariota, just a career low in touchdowns with only 13. He had a career low in passer rating, and then he threw 15 interceptions, which was a career high. Just not a good game. Now, this is his first playoff game. Yeah. It's his chance to show why they drafted him so highly, but I think this is going to be a tough matchup for him, not to mention that Casey has stars on defense. Marcus Peters with five picks, Justin Houston with nine and a half sacks. They're going to be coming after Mariota all day. With that uh, yeah, I, I think the only way that – Tennessee even stands a chance is the whole Heisman factor with Mariota and Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry, you know, he's a I need to touch the ball kind of back. He was worse splitting carries with DeMarco Murray, but if DeMarco Murray suits up for this game, that makes them worse. And I'm not don't get me wrong, I'm not saying DeMarco Murray is a bad DeMarco Murray is a bad running back, but both of those guys need to they need to have the ball in their hand to get their rhythm and. If they're doing that doublehead monster, it's not like it's not like Atlanta with their doublehead monster. It's not like the Saints. Their doublehead monster is two ball-hungry running backs, and 
I just don't see them doing anything against Kansas City. I like that point. So you think they're a better team with just Derrick Henry getting the bulk of the carries? Or a better team with just DeMarco Murray. Because okay. Oh, gotcha. Okay, they're, rhythm, so. they're rhythm players. You, you can't give DeMarco Murray 10 carries a game and think he's going to just rip off a bunch of yards, you know? I like that. Uh, I've got the Chiefs winning uh, handily. It's going to be close for a half, but I've got them winning by three scores. Okay. I have them winning 35-20. to 20. So okay. the, only, the only reason I changed that a little bit was because this is a crazy stat right here. Um, the road team is 7-1 in the last – Against the spread in the last eight meetings for these two teams. That's impressive. That's wow, especially with how difficult it is to win in Kansas City. Yeah, that's the only thing that, that changed me here. And, you know, the Titans haven't been that good historically. So, All right, let's go ahead and move over to the night game. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons at the Los Angeles Rams, 8.15 p.m. Have the L.A. Rams had a primetime game yet this year? No. I feel like this is their first this night game first at home. One, yeah. And... Who are you going with here? I'm going with a complete L.A. Rams blowout. Wow. Minus six over the Atlanta Falcons. I think that they're going to come out strong, rested. I think we're going to see the offense that we've seen at their best and the defense that we've seen at their best. So I'm going to go ahead and the win is going to go to the Rams. I don't have a blowout here. I have Falcons plus six, 31-28. The main reason I'm saying that is because this, these two stats stuck out, stuck out to me big time. The Falcons have the, have the fewest third and longs of any team in the NFL, right? Where the Rams make their biggest noise on defense is they get teams down in distance. The teams are... The teams are 57.4% converting on third down when it's third and third and three between third and six. They are the number one team in converting third and two and under. Those are That's big for a team who's on the road, which means they're not getting down a distance and having to be afraid. I really think that not having Greg Zerline and having Sam Ficken in there it's going to cost the Rams some possessions because it's easy. Like if you look at the 49ers, it's easy to take bigger shots when you know that you have a guaranteed three points on the board with, with Robbie Gould. Now you have Sam Ficken who, who just only played what three games in the NFL. And now you, 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 you want to run the ball. Now you're running the ball against a team in the last six games has only allowed one 100 yard rusher. That's the only reason I'm putting this game as close as I am. Okay. So you're looking for uh, this Atlanta Falcons offense to come out and really challenge the L.A. defense? I, I think that they're going to keep them on their toes. And not only that, the defense is turning up at the right time. Yeah, sure, the Rams are the number one scoring team. They might be number two at this point. Uh, they're number one scoring team. But Atlanta has stifled some solid some solid offensive teams and the Rams kind of stumbled into the gates. They had a couple three great performances out of their well they went three out of the last five and then two of those three of those games they weren't the best performances. So all their best players got rest in week seventeen. Gurley, Goff, yeah, Cup, Donald. There was a really interesting stat. This is not against the spread. This is straight up. The Falcons. This is under Matt Ryan. They are 1-19 in their last 20 games as underdogs of six or more points. Yeah. 
That's why I definitely don't have the Falcons winning. But another thing that I liked, the Falcons are 8th in the league in yards per game, but they're also ninth in yards allowed. One thing that I'm afraid for the Falcons here is it's going to be – I'm afraid of the situation like what happened to the Tennessee Titans when they played the Rams. The Titans are great against the run, but they're terrible against pass-catching backs. And the same thing for the Falcons. The Falcons are top five against uh, yards allowed to running backs, but they're in the bottom 20 for receiving yards allowed to running backs. And Todd Gurley is a great receiving back out of the backfield. I just have a feeling that this is going to be a game of momentum. I just think that the Rams are going to go out by two scores early, and I don't think the Falcons are going to recover. I've got the Rams winning the game 34-13 to because of the game of momentum. Yeah, I think this home field advantage is going to be real. I think it's going to be a sellout. And the Falcons got to come all the way over to the West Coast. It's a night game. They're already they're been game. there. You know, they I think they're adjusted. Um, one thing here that is another that stood out to me as well. These are hand in hand stats. I'm gonna give you one for one team, one for another, so the listeners can make their own decision on this one since we're torn. Uh, the Rams have lost four straight to the Falcons, but the Falcons in their last six road games are one and five against the spread. Bingo. That's what I like. So I mean. Pick your poison there. That's what I'm picking. We'll see what happens. And you know, deep down inside, I don't care who wins, but uh, it'd be cool to see a little L.A. swag, you know? That's what I'm looking forward to. And we got uh, the defending NFC champions yeah. here fighting for their playoff lives. Uh, can I just give a one quick shout-out to Wade Phillips? Wade Phillips has coached a top-five defense, I think now as a defensive coordinator, like eight times when I was looking at that stat. Why did the Cowboys ever get rid of him? Oh my God. What, why did so many teams get rid of him? Um, but with that being said, let's move over to arguably the best defense in the league. Uh, we're going to go the fly-by-night skate-in by the skin of their teeth, Bills, who are getting nine points against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who you got? So, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think the Jaguars have been favored by this many points all no. season. Okay. I've got... Blake Bortles keeping the Bills in this game. I've got a low-scoring defensive battle. I've got the Jaguars winning the game but not covering the nine-point spread. I think the Bills are going to – call me crazy. I think Buffalo is going to compete. I hope that LaShawn McCoy can play, and I hope that he can play effectively. I think it's going to really depend on whether or not he can go. But I've got the Jaguars winning the game 17-12. to Okay, I was thinking that at first, but I have Jacksonville minus nine. Here's my reasoning. Jacksonville, great defensive run team. But what's even scarier is their pass defense. They're number one in pass yards allowed. They're number two in total score. I think um, I was reading somewhere that said Jacksonville D is neither number one or number two in Every major defensive statistical category, but can we? But I have this. It's a go it's ahead a combo. The Bills only score eighteen points per game. Their passing attack is in the bottom half of the NFL. I just think that Jaguars are going to put too much pressure defensively on Tyrod Taylor and a and a gimpy Lashawn McCoy. I just can't. I can't get the 49ers-Jacksonville game out of my head. 
where that team was the old Jaguars team that was slinging 200 yards and two touchdowns in garbage time when it was already a blowout. Now, I know that it's probably that you can say it's an isolated incident. They went all the way to San Francisco. It was a road game. They were they were facing Garoppolo, but I just can't get that out of my head the way that they've been playing lately. Yeah. Well, with that being said, you're comparing the last two games Jacksonville played, right? So, okay, yeah. So, Even the Tennessee game where they only scored 10 points. Wait, let me let me just go ahead and I'm going to throw this out here. Jacksonville has nothing to play for in the last game. Win or lose, it doesn't affect anything. Titans have everything to play for, and they're at home, and they're great against the run. And the Bills don't have everything to play for? Their first playoff game in 19 years? The Bills, but let me put it this way. I think the Titans are better than the Bills at home. The Bills are on the road. The Jacksonville played a great, we just said ourselves, this 49ers team is not the same 49ers team at the beginning of the year. Jacksonville looked bad, even scoring 33 points in that game. But the games before that, they played 7-45 to versus the Titans, versus the Texans. They beat the Seahawks 24 to 30 and the Colts 10 to 30. What really stood out to me here about the Bills. So this is me more about Jacksonville defense versus the Bills offense. The Bills have looked very bad on the road. I think out of their road games that they lost, only one of them was decided by less than 9 points and and let's go ahead and put these out here. 21 to 34 versus the Jets. 24 Okay, this one is not... The Jets were playing well at the time. Yes, they were playing well, but that defense is nowhere near the Jaguars. The Patriots defense, this is what's really another telling part. The Patriots defense is not good at all. Patriots held them to 16 points, 16 to 34. They had no chance in that game. So, I guess we'll see what happens. I'm just saying that Tyrod Taylor, at 17, throwing 17 touchdowns, 4 interceptions is not going to lead this team with a gimpy LaShawn McCoy. If LaShawn McCoy didn't get banged up at all, you know, it's, it's, it's not, let's just put it, it's like, kind of like when, I'm going to make a, a college reference, when Auburn played Georgia with a banged up Carrion Johnson. It's the same thing, like, if Auburn had played with a healthy Carrion Johnson, it'd be different. If the Bills were playing with a healthy LaShawn McCoy, I think it'd be different. Just keep in mind that uh, Buffalo, they had two games this year on the road. They were eight-point road dogs. Yeah, and, and they went in and won straight up against KC and Atlanta. Yeah, that's the Buffalo team that I'm looking to show up for this game. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I, my my biggest thing is the Jacksonville D is great, and the Bills are just it's just not it's just bad timing, man. Like if they had another week, if they had one week to rest Lashawn McCoy, where they didn't have to count on Tyrod Taylor's passing attack, I think it'd be a different ball game. Can we also bring up the fact that Blake Bortles has turned the ball over twenty two? Times this season. He's put the ball on the ground nine times. Okay. 13 interceptions. Okay. His first big game. I mean, I, I understand that it's, it's Tyrod's I, first as I, well. I never said this is the Blake Bortles show. You got to look. This no, is the, I know. This you is said the you, number I, one. I know. You, hey, hey, you, you said Jacksonville defense against the Buffalo offense. Yes. I, I got that. And but they don't need to rely on Blake Bortles. It's the number one rushing defense, number one rushing team in the league at okay. 141 rush yards. And I'm saying the game. Bills don't need to rely on their offense. I think they will. That's my problem. See, the difference between Blake Bortles and the ja- Blake Bortles and the Jaguars and Tyrod Taylor and the Bills is Blake Bortles is not the Jaguars' offense. It's Leonard Fournette. We all know that. But LaShawn McCoy is the offense. And if he is at all banged up, I don't think they stand a chance. I'm glad you brought up Fournette because I think that he does have the ability 
to control this game. Yeah. Him alone, he can control the clock, he can control the turnovers, he can control the yardage. You gotta imagine Marone's gonna put the ball in his hand yeah. 25, 30 that, times. That has to be the game plan to get past this game. So I like it we're disagreeing a lot this this uh offseason. I, I mean Blake Bortles didn't throw a touchdown last game, but also another big addition that he's gonna get back is Marquise Lee. And and you could tell these last games without Marquise Lee, he was missing him. We I mean I mean Keelan Cole and, and McKitchens and those aren't people. It's a lot of young receivers. To. Yeah. So with that being said, let's move over to uh the game I'm really excited to watch. Panthers at Saints. Miles, I fumbled around back and forth with this decision. And I just, because, man, I had to do it. Saints minus seven. You know what's funny is that both of these teams have bit us in the ass this year. Yeah. Specifically in the last couple of weeks with these spread numbers. Yeah. I've been riding the Panthers. I've been riding the Saints. They've both been letting me down. Now they're playing each other for the third time this year. I also went back and forth. But I, you went Panthers, right? I I, ha- I had to go with the Panthers. It's hard to beat a team three times in a season. And to not even make the third game close. Yeah. And it's a, it's a seven-point spread. Now, we, you and I talked earlier this year, uh, I remember in the Futures episode, and we talked about Drew Brees in the playoffs, in the Dome, at home. He's going to be nearly impossible to beat. But if anybody can do it, it's this Panthers team that's playing really well. Now... I know that the uh, the scoreboard hasn't been there. I don't want to talk about their offense right now because we've talked about their offense enough. Yeah, they're number one in the league in rushing yards per game. Yes, at eighty one. Yes. The Saints do re- rely heavily on the ground game with Kamara and Ingram. We know that. We know what Breeze can do. Yeah, but let's be real. Kamara has been the X factor in this offense, and Carolina's total defense ranks number eleven, only giving up twenty points per game. Yeah, they're also twelve and five against the spread in their last 17 games on the road against the Saints. So in the Dome, specifically, against the Saints, they are 12-5 and five against the spread. I'll take those numbers. Okay, now let me go ahead and tell you why I'm going to ride the Saints at minus 7. The Saints beat them the first time 34-13 to 13 in um, Carolina. Yes. Uh, then 21-30 in New Orleans. Throw that out the window. I don't care. It's not the regular season anymore. Give me something that matters. Give me some substance. First of all, first time in history, two running back teammates have over 1,500 yards from scrimmage. First time since Gail Sayers, the only two rookies to have five rushing touchdowns, five receiving touchdowns, and a kickoff return. I am so high on what they're doing for these guys. Did you not see they just honored them in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. They honored uh, Kamara and Ingram with jerseys, autographed jerseys in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. What's happening here is you're seeing a team... Forget the loss to Tampa. Forget that. That that, that doesn't matter. We're we're bringing them back to the Dome. 2008. How many home playoff games since 2008 have the Saints lost? Zero. 5-0. 5-0. and Another thing that stood out to me, right? Drew Brees has only thrown for under, I think it was 4,300 yards one other time in his career. You know what year that was? The 2009-2010 season when the Saints won the Super Bowl. Coincidence? Ooh. He finally has the rushing attack, and I don't think Drew Brees is going to squander the opportunity. To me, I think that 
if I if you look at the two players and you're going to tell me who is more likely to blow it and make excuses, I, I love Cam Newton. But I'm just going to go with Cam Newton over Drew Brees. And I'm sticking to my laurels here and going to say that I like the Saints here. Even with even giving seven, even giving seven points, I've got the Panthers barely covering and losing the okay. game in the dome, twenty-seven twenty-one. I was excited to see if you were gonna if they had him winning at all. Yeah, but you know, Miles. First of all, I love Alvin Kamara. You know, when I was reading what they said about when he got his uh, signing bonus, did you see that? He said, uh, "Now you got your signing bonus. Uh, what are you gonna do?" He said, "I'm gonna put that shit in the bank and go get some." Mother freaking wings. <laughs> and you know I love chicken wings, so I just had to throw that out there. I was reading that today. But um Some good wings with that money. I will not be mad if the Panthers win. Because like I told you, I got the Panthers winning the Super Bowl at plus twenty two hundred because that's so much money that I had to. But they gotta figure out that offense. I mean, it's looked atrocious. They they held they got held under two hundred and forty eight yards last game. And three turnovers. But we've seen this Panther offense explode. Explode. And yeah. We were talking about it earlier. Cam Newton could easily have one of those four or five touchdown games. Yep. Three rushing. Two, I mean, three uh, throwing, two rushing. So I'm excited to see what happens here. Let's uh, go Can ahead. Can I just say before we move on, I wanted to get your thoughts real quick. Because okay. when, when this was my first time picking playoff games. Yeah. It was a lot more difficult. Than I had thought. These lines are no joke. These okay. These lines are garbage. And if I'm a a gambler, and I'm ready to just risk it for the biscuit, I'm putting money on all the underdogs. Yeah, because there's these a lot lines of points are so here. crazy that I think this was the like, oh man, I don't want to misquote it, but it was under 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 ten of all playoffs where in the top ten of highest first round spreads. I think it might be top 15. That's huge. Yeah. these. I mean, these home favorites are overwhelming. So just wanted to throw that out no there. No four-point favorites? Like, what is Vegas doing? Yeah. I guess uh, they're so trying to make that I, money back from the season. I can't wait to see what happens in the games, and then I can't wait to see what kind of lines we get next weekend. Yeah. I think it'll be a little bit closer, hopefully. Yeah. So with that being said, you know I've been itching to talk about this. Did you know, by the way, as I said, I listened to our Futures episode earlier. Yeah. And you and I both agreed that Alabama and Georgia were the best teams in college football. Congratulations, dude. And everyone who's an SEC hater, suck it. Because all the SEC haters had two opportunities to not have an SEC team in. But what happened? Two SEC teams got it. There's no doubt, all right, that the SEC has the two best teams in college football. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt. Yeah. But what I will say is I think that the Big Ten is a deeper conference. Oh, yeah. They just did not have one of the four best teams in the nation this year. Yeah, it's fair to say that the Big Ten is definitely one of the best conferences, if not the best. Um, Deepest, at least. Yes. One one thing that one of my buddies, uh, Casey Elson, said that was a, a great comparison. It, it, it could be a little bit of a stretch, but it's still a great comparison. Compare... The SEC to I'm gonna make a soccer analogy. Compare the SEC to La Liga. They have three, sometimes four of the best teams in soccer, but not always the best overall. But those two or three teams are always winning Champions League overall. Compare the Big Ten to Premier League. 
where at least like about three fourths of the entire league can beat almost the entire bottom half of La Liga, but they don't have. Okay, so what you're saying is the SEC is top heavy. Yes, it's top heavy, and but here's the thing. Okay, so with that being said, go ahead. It's not bad by by me saying top heavy. The bottom half is not what everyone's making it seem to be. Okay, I I will give you that. It's not bad because what the haters are trying to say is that oh you know this conference is absolute dog crap. Yeah, but no, top heavy is not a derogatory term not at all. It just means that those they have the two best teams in the country. Yeah, you have to admit though that the bottom half of that conference is not good. Yeah, but it's not as bad as everyone's making it seem. Like it's still a challenge to go play at Florida. It's still a challenge to go play at Vanderbilt. You saw Florida play football this year, though. Like you, you watched them. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not they, making any. They excuses. couldn't even compete against Michigan. I'm not making any excuses. Okay, that was Mil- Milton Spade out. Milton Spade out there, different Michigan team. Just like, d- d- don't get me started because that's just like Florida State with uh, freaking Francois. It's two different teams. But you give me who finished last in the SEC? What Florida uh, or or Vandy? Right? No, Vandy had Missouri. six wins. Missouri had. Uh, Missouri was a bowl team. Oh, that's so right. So it had to be Florida. Oh. Um, you put Florida against Rutgers. Uh, eight out of ten times, depending on the spread, I'm taking Florida. And on the spread, sure. Well, I've, I've I don't just, know, man. They're putting not straight. They're up. putting Florida. They're putting Florida as the favorite almost every single time. Yes, but but all I'm saying is if if Florida is starting Zaire or if they're starting Franks in that offense, I, I'm still gonna, I don't I, I don't see them moving the ball. I'm still gonna put my money on Florida, and okay. I think Rutgers is a bad example. Best, okay. I would go like Maryland at least. Well, we're talking about the worst teams in the conference. We're, All right, we're, we're ranking. But you can admit Florida. Florida had a down year. Rutgers is always bad. That's what I'm saying about the SEC. The SEC is does not always have that bad team. Vanderbilt's always bad. Kentucky's always bad. What are you talking about? Vanderbilt and Kentucky were were both bowl eligible. Yeah, this year. Kentucky in the last three years has been bowl eligible. All three years? Maybe not, but maybe two out of the three. And Kentucky is a young offense, but they're not always the bottom of the barrel. What I'm saying is the bottom is not always terrible. But now you say there's more parity. I'm saying the bottom gets wins that – like, okay, you take a Rutgers and you put them against most teams. I'm going to give the ball. I'm going to say not Rutgers. But if you put, like, Kentucky, I'm like, okay, Kentucky might get a nod, you know? Well, like, Kentucky was extremely competitive against Northwestern. That was one of the more competitive yeah. Kentucky, bowl games of the this season. Is a, and this might not be a good example because this is a, a better Kentucky team than we've seen. So we might even have to knock yeah. it down to, to Tennessee, but they're not always historically bad. Oh, but they were historically bad this year. No, no, I mean historically as a program, it's not bad. No, I, you, you talk about uh, let's move it to Ole Miss who had a bad season, but they're in coaching changes. So, I mean, they're in a whole – Regime change there. It's it's one. Of those- I can admit that I was jumping back and forth. I mean, because I, because I think if we're specifically looking at the SEC this year, yeah, then then you can look at those. I mean, Florida and Tennessee were, were atrocious. We're, we're, we're horrible. But but I but, but I see what you're saying. They're they're not consistently playing at that level. Yeah. But at the same time, ask a Florida fan because yeah. I, I like the Florida fans that I know are the most frustrated fans I, in the country. I like I like what a lot of people have been been saying to me about it. The realists are saying SEC is not one of the best conferences this year. You have to add that tag because if you say SEC is not one of the best conferences, you deserve to be smacked in the face without that tag. In my opinion, I think every single year 
not every single year, but I think right now, talent-wise and coaching-wise, the SEC and the Big Ten are on top, and everybody else is chasing them. Yeah. You could call me biased, it, it, all right, it, but I think that it's written down with the Big Ten bowl record. Yeah. And Bam and Georgia performing the way they did in the playoff. The two best we have the evidence that that's where we are right now. Coaches want to play. And, and with, with, with uh, Big Ten, they're going nowhere. Franklin, Meyer. PJ Fleck at Minnesota. Oh my God. Scott Frost in Nebraska. Now a Frost is going to be a Michigan. There are so many good co- coaches. Chris at Wisconsin. And then now, now let's move it to SEC. Brom and Purdue. Kirby Smart, Lane Kiffin. I'm not Lane Kiffin. Kirby Smart's been Kirby really Smart impressive. Has been impressive on the football field and off football field. And I love Kirby Smart. And also watch out for Dan Mullen of Florida. Watch His offense Mullen. is going to work there. Watch out for Jimbo. Watch out for Jimbo, yeah. It shows you Jimbo. It's a big-time hire Jimbo for Jimbo left ACC. And I think this is proving our point that all the best coaches in the country, where are they going? Yeah. They're going to the SEC and the Big Ten. That's where the money is. Yeah. That's where the recruits are. That's where the competition is. You see a lot of coaches You see a lot of coaches leave other schools to go to the Big Ten and yeah. the SEC. But you see the coaches who need to resurrect their career like a Chip Kelly go to those other Pac-12, conferences. Yeah. Right? Exactly. We're talking about – the Florida State head coach yeah. leaving to go to Texas A&M so he can make the money in the SEC. Yeah. SEC West specifically. And, and he will be able to recruit the hell out of the out of in Texas? My oh, God. Yeah. This is exciting. Big time. Exciting times we live in. And it's great that we uh, have this podcast so we can talk about it all the time. Yeah. And please uh, jump in with any comments that you have to defend the 1-8 Pac-12 conference. Yeah. If you guys are listening, I know you are. Um, by God, they were atrocious, Brad. the The Pac-12 teams, I feel like, didn't even show up to play football. It, it, it's like they were playing a different style, style completely. But, it, but even the big the Big Twelve was competitive with their they they held up, yeah. with no defense and yeah. an all and all out passing attacks. That was weird. I mean, look I, at the Sooners against Georgia. Yeah, I, I was surprised. I was really surprised. So let's go ahead and move into the into the game. All right, I, I'm on the edge of my seat, ready to talk about. Let's it. Let's do it. Um. Alabama versus Georgia in Atlanta. First of all, I wanted to go this game so bad, and then the ticket prices skyrocketed once Georgia won. Because Georgia fans are freaking crazy. They're nuts. Uh, what is the line? Four? Four and a half. Four and a half. I didn't even need to write down the line because I got Alabama comfortable win. Okay. We're going to be on the same page here two weeks in a row with Alabama. Because, but, okay, so I've got Alabama minus four and a half, but I just need to express how torn I am because I feel like the two playoff games were so different. Yeah. On one side, I see Michelle and Chubb combining for 326 yards and five touchdowns. But then I think to myself, that was the Oklahoma defense. Yeah. Then I've got the Alabama defense that held Clemson to 188 offensive yards. Yeah. The class of the ACC. Yeah. Hertz has gone six games since his last interception. And that was his only interception of the season. Yes. This man does not turn the ball over. He's like the opposite of Blake Bortles. Yes. He protects the football with everything that he's got. And that's why Bama continues to win games in the last two seasons because he plays with so much discipline. And you know what people are missing here? When they're calling for Hurts' head, in the last three games, he's thrown for six touchdowns. That's the – okay, QB comparison here. Hurts in the last – has not thrown an interception since October – has thrown six touchdowns in the last three games. Fromm hasn't thrown an uh, interception since November. 
has thrown six touchdowns in the last three games. But you know what I think the, the difference there is? I think Hurts has had to make the plays. Yeah. I don't think Fromm has had to make the plays. You can argue about the Rose Bowl, but do you want me to read off these numbers by uh, Michelle and Chubb again? Yeah. Don't talk to me how Fromm is now the next great quarterback yeah. in college football. He Bullshit. Has, he doesn't do nothing. He got carried by his, by his running game. And he doesn't have to do anything. One thing that really made me afraid is Georgia against good running backs, against good running attacks. Their last two – okay, I'm not going to count. I'm going to – go ahead and throw out the uh, SEC championship because that wasn't a good carry-on Johnson. That wasn't a healthy carry-on Johnson. But so you say their last two games besides that game. Carry-on Johnson rushed for 167 yards. Rodney Anderson rushed for 201 yards. And that's a big 12 running back. Yeah. So you're talking about – Bo Scarborough. And Bo Scarborough didn't play good last game. He hasn't played good. No, in a but that's games. a stout Clemson defensive front. They're yes. better than Georgia. Yes. And you got Damon Harris, who only touched the ball about 14 times with 77 yards. But then you got Jalen Hurts. My man has eight rushing touchdowns on the season. I just don't think that Georgia's defense is going to be good enough. I will tell you who impressed the hell out of me, though. Roquan Smith. On that side of the football? Yes. Was freaking unstoppable in the Rose Bowl. Rokon Smith, great. I, I, I've liked him since the beginning of the season. I've just been watching what he's done, and it's amazing. Let me go back on my Alabama soapbox. One or two things are going to be shown here, right? It's the it's, we got the number one defense versus the number five defense. This game is going to show you that either Clemson was way overhyped and Bryant was way overhyped because he tore apart some of those ACC teams and or Alabama's defense is really that good. Okay. Love those comparisons. Do you also think that there's a lot to be said for the Saban Kirby Smart coaching I think strategy here? People are going to be missing. It's not Saban Kirby Smart coaching strategy. This matchup is about Jeremy Pruitt versus Kirby Smart because Pruitt used to be at Georgia. He knows all of the Georgia players because he was there not too long ago. This is going to be fun. Kirby Smart <laughs> recruited almost all the seniors on the defense at Alabama. Isn't it crazy to have a national title game where the two teams just know each other so well? So well. I love it. But Alabama is 5-1 and one in the last six games against the spread on neutral sites. But this is not your normal neutral site. This is in Atlanta. The heart of Georgia territory. Yeah, it's close. But, I mean, can I tell you? Most Alabama fans, their favorite pro team is Atlanta. And they're real familiar with making that drive. That drive's not too far. Mm -mm. I That's where you guys started this season. Yeah. I think it's going to be a – I think we're going to have a great game here. And I did not put a score down. All right. Well, right here. It's our last college football game of the year. Okay. You got to have a score for me. Okay. I'm going to give you mine. First, let me give you this. Okay. You know these teams have only met three times since 2008. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. It's never on, a crossover they're on, they're game. On opposite sides. Yeah, Alabama's three and zero in those. To me, what's going to be the biggest difference here is if Anthony Jennings Jennings injury matters, and if Mika Fitzpatrick's bruised kidney matters, because if he's a no go, this will be a huge difference. I will come here with a score prediction for you. I don't see. Georgia putting up 58 points against Alabama. I have Georgia 
scoring 24 points. I have Alabama scoring 35. And you know why I say that? Why I'm going so high for Alabama scoring so many points? Because I see a defensive touchdown coming from Alabama. Last game, I wasn't expecting a defensive touchdown. Oh, man. That pick six put the dagger. That was amazing. So let's go 35-24. I've got a lower scoring game. I've got Bama covering the four and a half point spread and becoming the national champions 20 to 14. I don't see Kirby Smart and Georgia beating them on this big stage. Yeah. The biggest, my biggest takeaway from the college football playoff is that Alabama beat Clemson playing Alabama football. Yeah. Georgia beat Oklahoma playing Oklahoma football. Yeah. Georgia was not able to play their game in that Rose Bowl. Yeah. They had to keep up with the Sooners. Bama, from the first second of that football game, played Bama football. Yeah. And it's not going to change. And I've got Bama winning the game. Historically, Alabama struggles against teams that can that have a fast quarterback who can extend the play with his feet, run the ball. Cardell Jones. Uh, and spread, spread the field. Ezekiel Elliott. Georgia is not that kind of offense. Traditional Smash Mouth teams. Alabama shut down some of the best running backs in the country in the past three years. And even running backs who are doing great in the NFL, like Leonard Fournette. Uh, guys out of LSU, they shut, he shut him down. Some good running backs have come out of the SEC that Alabama, when they've played them, have shut them down. But when you look at teams like Ole Miss with Chad Kelly, when they were tossing the ball around, they struggled. You look at Texas A&M, they struggled. And they were forced to play their games. Yeah. That's the only time Bama can lose is when you take them out of their element and you take them out of their style. But Georgia will not be the team to do that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think And so now either. on the stage like this. <sighs> I, I'm nervous. Um, I'm kind of in a, uh, a win-win situation here, though, because at the beginning of the football season, I bet put two team, money on two teams to win the national championship. Both of my teams have made it. Um, I picked Alabama and Georgia. But I went ahead and put more money on Alabama at minus four. I got it at minus four, not minus four and a half. So we'll see what happens. Well, good luck, man. I uh, hope they pull it out for you. And I cannot wait for another college football season in 2018. Dude, this was a great college football season. And, guys, we are going to be going to um, Las Vegas and doing a live show on Periscope. Uh, we might Facebook Live it on another computer. So if you don't follow us on Twitter, it's at Best the House at B-E-S-T-T-H-E-H-O-U-S-E. Um, and you just type in Welcome to the House if you really need it because it will pop up there too. But let's uh, let's go ahead and call a spade a spade, Miles. It's safe to say that you did not win the underdogs. I did not. So final uh, underdog section uh, of the football season. Uh, Brad, you had a comfortable victory. Let's go ahead and recount a couple wins that you and I had last week. Because you and I both called UCF. Charge on. Plus nine and a half. Go Knights. Love it. You had a great call. Uh, Notre Dame plus three over LSU in a very cold bowl game very here in Orlando, Florida. And, rainy. and I had Texas plus three over Missouri. So we both finished respectably, but you finished the season, my friend, with 97 points. Congratulations. Thank Hell you. of a year. I was uh, a little farther behind with 73.5. So I will give you the victory, and that means I lost the bet. You 
made it competitive at the end. I'm gonna give you credit because I thought I was running away with this. Uh, but I don't mean I don't mind watching you eat a triple McFish. We'll, we'll periscope that, and uh, that way everyone can see what happens. I'm a man of my word. I got go no problem doing me. this. You know what I do look forward to in Vegas? I look forward to looking back on some of our favorite college football games. Yeah, NFL games. Some it's of gonna, our favorite NFL games. It's, it's you know thinking about it, it's really exciting because we're at this very pivotal moment for our podcast, and I think that we have our feet in the ground here, where all only thing is. That is coming is is up. We can talk about any sport. We can analyze anything in sports. We can have any conversation. It's good. This is a great, great thing. I like where we're at. It was a hell of a football season, and uh, we got uh, what three more weeks of football to talk about. Yeah, so I'm excited to it's, get it's not into over yet. Uh, when it comes down to championship football, it's our favorite football to talk exactly. about. Exactly. Well, guys, uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Just to let you guys know that there is an option to donate on our website. It's www bestthehouse.com that's bestthehouse.com uh just go on the main page and you can donate whatever you want we are currently trying to get as much equipment as we can uh we just got our first uh microphone our first official microphone so we're gonna need another one a mixer you know anything helps five dollars ten dollars 150 dollars a thousand dollars whatever you want i'm excited and if you made it this far, congratulations. You have listened to our uh, the longest episode of the house ever recorded. Wow. we I thought we could go on forever about the about the the uh, conferences. Yeah. I thought we were about to stand up when we started talking about So excited. <laughs> about the Big Ten. We, we honestly had people. We had fans coming. Like, where they were looking in the door listening to us. We were so excited. That's how it'll be in Vegas. Yeah. Come on out and see us. Uh, guys, make sure you, uh, you keep an eye out for this Vegas edition. It's going to be uh, January 26th live. I'll give you guys a what casino we're going to be at and what time. Just uh, figure out. Thank you so much for listening and a great college walk.